I'm Chase. And I'm Timothy. And this is Customer Service. Good evening, Chase. He's not holding his microphone. I'm, su- I'm shocking him with this one. Timothy <laughs> Grindle. He still had a bit prepared, though. <laughs> well, how are you? Good, bro. Let me tell you something. Mm-hmm. It's Friday. Let's talk about those sandwiches we have for lunch. What do you want to talk about? This Great. regional sandwiches. We had a, we had a new sandwich spot. First time we had it. We've been. We, you know what we've been doing. And shout out Paige. We've been getting some lunch. You know what I mean on Fridays. We we kind of all have agreed l- Fridays we're gonna we're gonna do some lunch. You know, and we've been doing this spot called Rye Society. Really good, uh, like Jewish Jewish cuisine. Um, just, just gas, just gas, but they're leaving Boulder. So we've been trying to find a replacement for our sandwich spot. Yep. I think we found so we've been it auditioning some new spots. Yeah. Oh, it was good. It was a, it was a nice, it, we had a, we had a nice Friday today. Yeah, it was a good Friday. We packed a lot of boxes. Yeah. Ate some sandwiches, recorded it, it, a podcast. Hot outside. Yeah, I sat nice outside time. on the bench for like five minutes, just sat there. Felt good. It was just hot outside. I was waiting to see what, what you were up to. <laughs> yeah. Just chilling. But yeah, it's good, bro. We're back. We're back now. And the podcast is back. And today we have Nico Lazaro on the podcast. I feel like we say this every time, but man, what a pleasure. What a nice fella. Yep. Very, nice very like, I felt like we've been homies for a while. A lot of the, he, he understood like all of the stuff we talk about in terms of like, Maybe not nostalgia, but growing up and ways we got into clothes and, you know, fucking video games or just any of it. Uh, he totally got it and understood. And it was like we all ex- had the same experience just at, at different geographical regions and slight yeah. differences in time. And it was cool. It was cool. You might know him from the Bangle Stripe, which is his newsletter mm-hmm. and his Instagram. It used, I think it used to be or still is a blog. Yeah. Um, he's got incredible personal style and taste. Yeah. And if you're looking for a place, like a new person to look to for inspiration or like ideas around buying or, you know, building personal wardrobe, this is your guy. I mean, he's, he, he really, he really, I believe he has really one of the really great tastes, one of yeah, the better tastes agreed, out there. Agreed. So it was really exciting to have him on. I've kind of known him of him adjacently, but like I, we didn't know each other. Yeah. So it was really cool to like touch base and meet each other. And it was, it was really nice talking. So uh, let's not, let, well, let's not delay any we'll longer. Hop let's right let's pop it. right in because I think it was a really fun conversation. I think you guys are going to enjoy it. So, yeah. All right. Without further ado, here's Nico Lazaro. Chase, go ahead and say whatever you need to say before <laughs> we go. That's not that's a phone that's ringing. What, yeah. That's us. That's us zooming into the pod. You're making the zoom sound. <laughs> yeah. All right. Here it comes. See ya. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Well, that's awesome, man. Like when I knew that happened not too long ago. So are you still working there? Are you sort of, are you out now? No, I uh, actually got poached, which is the first time that's happened in my life. Um, and that was Very really exciting. Um, yes, I started a Substack last year and it's got like, yeah. it's still a pretty small following, but, um, there's, I guess, some people in the industry that were reading it. And one of those people was talking to this brand Buck Mason, uh, which is also based out of LA, which is where I am now. And so yep. they, uh, they were looking for someone to help with just like storytelling in general. So doing a lot of copywriting and overseeing the editorial side of things. And so, uh, yeah, they reached out to me. I interviewed with them and put in my uh, two weeks notice <laughs> the next day. Beautiful, Very beautiful. Cool, man. Is it like, is it bittersweet leaving or was it like it was time? It was a little bittersweet, but it was definitely a long time coming, especially since the pandemic and working remotely. I lost yeah. a little bit of that like initial intimacy we felt when we were really close knit, uh, you know, when I started, I was the 10th hire. It was 10 dudes in like a one bedroom apartment size office. Um, sure. And yeah, you know, we all like wore a bunch of different hats and also hung out together after work. Uh, I don't know if you guys have heard, but we had a rooftop in our second office that became like the hangout spot for mm-hmm. us and all our friends. So yeah, it was like one big party for a while. 
uh, and then, you know, you get investment and things get a little more serious and then, you know, people are coming and going, coming and going and, of course. you know, just naturally grew apart from some people over time as well. So yeah, I was really excited to leave and really excited to, you know, this, uh, move was also me switching career paths a little bit. Um, and even when I went to Grell, that was a bit of a switch, you know, moving from fashion into more of a tech atmosphere. Uh, and so at Grell, that was a community manager that was basically yeah. heading up, uh, CX customer support and connecting the dots between that and marketing and other initiatives they were doing, uh, just making sure that like customers were heard ultimately and that, yeah. uh, they were also understood. Um, and also doing things that were like exciting for our community and, uh, going from that to Buck Neeson, I'm now doing more editorial work, like definitely just straight up marketing. Um, and there's still opportunities to like connect that with the community, but, yeah. uh, it's a big shift in terms of like my day to day work and something that I've had imposter syndrome for, uh, or about for a while. And so oh, sure, to yeah. like really tackle that head on has been challenging, but also very rewarding. So it's been exciting and it's been yeah. already, it's only been like a few months, but it's been really fulfilling. I was going to say, even with the imposter syndrome, I feel like, cause I feel like, I mean, I don't know, bro. I, it, I'm, I feel like I'm older than you. I'm not sure, but if it, it, it's like, it, I feel like no matter what you do, you always kind of feel that yeah. <laughs> Like I, I've never not felt a little like that, no matter what I've done. So I feel like it doesn't go away, but I wonder, yeah, I was wondering if it like, if this felt like more of a natural fit than your last thing, or are you still growing into it? I think the work I'm doing feels like a more natural fit. And even the people, mm-hmm. I don't know, for me, so there's like stuff I want to talk about, about like how I even got into fashion in the first place, but I've always felt like a little bit of an outsider. So like to be around a bunch of other people who are into the same things as me, it's a little, um, unfamiliar at first, I guess. And I guess like, that's not hundred yeah. percent true because it was similar at Grailed. Um, but yeah, this is the first time I've worked in an office of like, um, probably 20 or 30 people where everyone is coming into the office every day, like dressed in head to toe fits and everyone, everyone is like experts in vintage experts in like the history of like, uh, more traditional American men's wear, like Ralph Lauren and double RL and that kind of stuff. So like everyone knows it's almost like you, we still have conversations of like, Oh, sick fit. Like I love that reference, but it's like, we both already know you just like make eye contact and you know, like, you know, what's up. Yeah. I see what you're doing. Yeah. I see, I see the thing yeah. you got going on here. We, we just, so we're, we're like, it's what Chase and I have been. So Chase actually is our community manager. And then our, like he, we wear a lot of hats cause we're still small too, but like he, so he also does fulfillment and everything. And but he's been with us for uh, five we, and a half years. So yes, yeah, so we've been open for six years. He's been with us most of the time since we opened and I'm one of the owners. So we've, we've been riding this for a long time and we wrote it from when like, you know, we were hyped to get like, you know, five or 10 orders a day to like where yeah. we're at now. And like, we really, I'm really passionate about like keeping things as small and tight as humanly possible until we're like forced to grow just cause I think you get more creative the longer you like push through. So we went from fulfilling out of our back room of our store, which we, which we had so brimmed that we had to reorganize the clothing almost every single day. So it would yeah. fit. And then, and then when we could barely fit in the back, my office was just like, I'd like raised one of the racks on the rolly rack so I could like sit at it and work off my computer. (laughs) And then we had like one little shipping desk in the back and like we're working off a laptop. And then we, it got to the point where it was like, okay, we've, we've added some staff. We cannot be in this back room any longer. So we, and, and like our photo, during during covid we had to shut down so we were doing all of our photo on these on this like makeshift backdrop we like shoved into a corner of the store um i had just had my daughter and she was like you know an infant and would take yeah. naps in our dressing room in her in her like uh carrier thing and then we would just like we'd work off the front if the lighting was bad lighting was bad and we just had to like live with all this yeah, like stuff yeah. but it, it made us really creative we moved into this bigger space that was like just down the road it was this big like long shotgun style 
yeah, like place two, and, two big rooms, yeah, one up front, one in the back. Put film in the back, creative up front, and we we grew pretty quickly through after through the through COVID and everything, and we had brimmed that. I mean, we were sitting. It was like it had become like eight or eight of us working there or something. We were yeah. all working at the same desk. Like if somebody had to go to the bathroom, they basically had to crawl over the top or under <laughs> people, and it was just this like crazy thing. And through a bunch of weirdness that doesn't matter, we ended up in our space that we're at now, which is this big like it was intended to be like. Um, like a we work situation. Yeah, like a we work situation, and so it's this big, like, really cool, like industrial space that we that we've that we've gone into. We got like a desks for everyone, computers, blah blah blah. And the first time when we moved over here, it was like we we it was like the Beverly Hillbillies. It's <laughs> like we just are, were not meant for this space, and and it feels really cool. And it has to. I, I imagine you're kind of going through that same thing of like that's the imposter syndrome where it's like no 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 we we usually exist in those weird small spaces, not this big fancy one. Yeah, <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean, it's like you get used to a certain way that like anything that's like a step up feels crazy. Yeah. Totally. I think, you know, looking back on that stuff, I'm sure a lot of that is some of your guys' fondest memories of like, you know, being really small and running a tight ship and having your oh, hands yeah. in everything that totally. along with the imposter syndrome, like those are good signs to like, you know, I think as people grow and as businesses grow, it's, uh, it becomes harder to maintain that. And that ultimately I think is a really important part of being able to understand like, what's going on, what, what are customers resonating with, what, what am I resonating with, like, within this, like, yeah, there's so much there. And I think, yeah, going back to the imposter syndrome, like, that's also, like, a really good sign that you're pushing yourself out of your comfort zone and that you're doing something new and potentially innovative and whether it's, like, breaking boundaries within the industry or not, like, for you personally, like, you're learning and growing, like, that's a sign that you're just growing as a person, I guess. So, um, yeah, yeah learning yeah. to lean into that has definitely been a big lesson for me in the past year. And, um, yeah, it's exciting. Definitely. Hey, Nico, where, where are you? I know that you were obviously, I'm assuming New York for Grailed and then you're in LA now. Where are you from originally? Yeah, I'm from, my girlfriend would call it upstate New York because she's from uh, Brooklyn originally, but I'm from Westchester yeah. County. So, Okay. The town I grew up in is where Ralph Lauren's country estate is. Martha Stewart has a house there. Richard Gere had a restaurant there. Oh, it was kind of like a little hidden enclave, like next to Greenwich, Connecticut. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But yeah, I did not come from that world. At least my family didn't. Oh. And so I was going to say, I've been there before, man. Like I, I cause my, my wife, uh, well, her, her grandparents lived in Greenwich for a long time. And, uh, so I, and, and her grandpa did a bunch of like, like stonework or something like some sort of construction stuff in, in Greenwich. So I, all those places you just mentioned, I think he like worked on a bunch of those places like long time ago. And he would like drive us around and show us them. He'd be like, you see that stone? I blasted that stone. Out and, all that stuff. <laughs> and we were like, I don't know what he's talking about, but it looks cool. <laughs> but I remember like all those places you mentioned, I'm like, Oh yeah, I remember seeing that. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. I definitely like, you know, yeah, visually beyond, beyond the way people dress, which was like, you know, super waspy, super preppy, um, you know, just being out in nature, having that connection to the outdoors was also really inspiring for me. Um, sure. I grew up on like, uh, you know, my family was really lucky early on. We found this like eight acre property that had a bunch of ponds. It used to be a farm. So the house we Goodness. lived in was a converted barn. And, you know, as a kid, I was just always outside, you know, catching frogs, learning how to fish with my uncle. Uh, of course harvesting you know wild berries so that was my chop yeah uh nico i i'm really 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 that's like my long-term goal is to buy a little bit of land and have a little farm you mind sharing kind of like what you remember on, on the property like you said some wild berries was there anything like did your family grow it to sell or was it just kind of you had this property and some shit grew on it and you you ate it you know what i mean yeah no it was just you know we had the property stuff was already growing there. Like it, it had been a farm. So there was stuff there already. There was a vineyard yeah. that didn't really produce anything edible, but the, uh-huh. the blueberries were great. You know, blueberry pancakes were like my favorite thing growing up. Oh, come on. There was uh, a yeah. wild scallions. Um, not too much else. I don't think we really utilized it to the best of yeah, our ability, yeah. 
but there were a lot of wild geese. There were swans. We had a canoe. We'd paddle out, and there was like oh, a dude, little. Yeah. I hesitate to call it a river, but just like a bigger lake that connected to our neighbor's property. So yeah, we'd go out fishing. Oh, and, damn. Um, my dad had a tractor because uh, you know there's so much. Uh, so many acres to mow every day. Uh, oh, it just yeah, became more yeah. practical to do that. And yeah, there were snakes, boxes. Like, I remember, dude, what a hoot. How that sounds so cool. For? Like, what, like, what, were you there until you like went to college or like, no, no. So what I had a work weird or? sort of, uh, middle, uh, you know, puberty adolescence where like, uh, mm-hmm fourth or fifth grade i was like nine years old uh my dad got a job in russia so we actually moved to moscow for the summer <laughs> and i was Whoa, you know oh, shit. it was like mayor g and i was like peace out guys like i'm never gonna see any of you again and <laughs> that summer you know we moved we moved everything over and then the economy collapsed in russia and we uh my dad lost his job and we ended up having to move back and so that September, I was back in the same school, and everyone was like, "Dude, what happened?" Welcome um, back, dickhead. <laughs> yeah. Oh god. But yeah, I, I moved into like you know we moved to a much more uh, smaller property. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Then you know nine eleven happened. My grandmother died. All in like the span of like the same same couple of years. So that was a really big shift for me and. Um, you know, all these sort of like, I think everyone goes through this in one way or another, but like all like the, the fantasy you have of childhood of like, life's always going to be sort of like pretty easy came crashing down pretty quickly for me. And then yeah, I had, yeah. yeah, I had a hard time also like connecting with people in my, in my community for a long time, just because of like, uh, you know, everyone was pretty much white and pretty well off and I was coming from a much different background and even with, with my interests and like I, I think maybe just the way I, I I tried to connect with people I had a hard time I was definitely a little socially awkward as everyone is at, at that age but mm-hmm. uh, I probably internalized like what, were, what were you into at that age like were you into like clothes and stuff at that like that early age or were you in like what was what was going on because we're both from the midwest so we kind of have like a similar feeling I think where it's like a lot of the, the interests we had weren't necessarily like compatible with where we're from. Cause uh-huh. we are from small like rural towns in Ohio and Indiana. Yeah, totally. I think my mom was really empowering and, and sort of letting me explore my interests in like creative fields and art and, uh, you know, even the way I dress myself. Uh, and so I would, I would go to school in costumes almost every day as, as a little kid. Like I loved Peter Pan that was my shit. Oh, so, yeah. um, I don't know if you guys know the movie hook, but I watched that so many oh, times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like broke the, the cassette tape. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then my dad, um, early on, he was kind of working in finance. And so he had to wear a suit to work every day. And as a really little kid, I, I loved that. And I would ask my mom to get me seats and I'd, you know, yeah. wear a suit yeah. just like around the house. Uh, even when I had my first job in college, I was wearing a suit to like work in the library just because it it made me feel good, you know? And so, but yeah, in the middle sort of period of like childhood and adolescence, uh, I was really into anime. I was really into video games. And so, you know, I was wearing like graphic tees and that kind of stuff. And everyone else is wearing, you know, like, uh, the popped collar polos and Abercrombie and all that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, the, du- the double stack exactly. Abercrombie pop, pop collar <laughs> polo. You, you had like a, you knew, I don't know if this is what you were into or not, but you had like a pretty good punk scene in that area, right? Technically, or at least close to Ooh, it. Yeah. I wanted to talk to you guys about this because I listened to uh, Clayton Chambers podcast of the year. Yeah. And you guys are yeah. talking oh, yeah, about yeah, yeah. Under Oath and Warped Tour and Four Years yeah, 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 and Set Your Goals and all yep. that bit. Yeah, I was into more like the Long Island stuff. I listened to all those bands as well. Like Warp Tour just like had everything. Yeah. But um, you want to shout out some Long Island bands in particular? Because like, I've got a couple new, that I want to talk about. Yeah. yeah. So Taking Who Back else? Sunday, obviously, I don't know. The, yep. the band that maybe should not be named brand new. Uh, yeah. We yeah. talked about that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 They were one of my favorites. Since canceled, brand new. Yeah. And then, Your like, favorite weapon stands as the best pop. Like I would say top three pop punk records though. Still like. 
if we're talking like coming of age, angsty teen, you know, you, you got broken up with whatever it is, your favorite weapon kind of covers all bases <laughs> and it, it just really resonated at 17, 16. Yeah. Same dude. That was like my go-to album, like driving in my car, just, you know, screaming at yeah. the top of my lungs along with the song. Yeah, I thought uh-huh. it was crazy, but are we missing? We're, we have to be missing some too, right? There's more that, that area. Was oh yeah. Did, did you ever get into crime and stereo? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That was a little bit like 2005, 2006, probably. Yeah. A little, yeah, a, little a little bit, bit after. Yeah. And then there's this band that I really loved. My, I, I'm from Cleveland. My buddies had, had their like seven inches. Is this band called agent? Like, like a special agent, but just the word agent, but like, it's not on Spotify or anything. And just like deep cut, but yeah. I was wondering if by chance you, you were familiar. No, I got super into brand new where I was like looking up like, or the whole brand new taking back Sunday. Like, uh, of course. I don't even know what you call it. That weird relationship, like the love triangles and shit. And so yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I was yeah, like yeah, looking yeah. into like their early, uh, demo tapes and like who was in taking back Sunday. Like who was, there was like another lead uh-huh. singer before Adam Lazara yeah uh all that stuff i like you know that was basically my introduction to like really getting deep into like internet subculture and doing yeah really deep research into like the nether regions of the internet to like find these hidden secrets about well, those bands had a lot of lore and stuff and i, I still oh, yeah. think like when i think of brand new and we've talked about this before like honestly a lot of those like demo tapes and stuff was the was the stuff i was really into like when it was a little yeah. garagier sounding but it was basically your favorite weapon tracks like it's, yeah it's pretty good there, there's a video deep speaking of like you said deep dive i i would nick are you i mean are you 30 are you 30 I'm 31 uh, yeah i'm 34 yeah. Okay, oh, cool. So yeah, same, same, age, yeah. same range. We would have yeah. went to high school together. I, I turned 30 in December, yeah. but I agree. I feel like that, that getting into brand new, taking back Sunday, all of the things we mentioned definitely made me become like very like capital O online at that point. Yeah. I was really into like just, you know, sharing media fire links and having a buddy come over with a USB stick. And, but there's a video of taking back Sunday and brand new touring. I think it's actually in Denver, funny enough. And it's them. Yeah. <laughs> they were both on the bill and one, and like the, you know, uh, Jesse Lacey singing the part in, uh, 70 times seven or whatever it is. Yeah. And then the, Adam singing the part in there's no I in team. And I just remember <laughs> being like, you know, showing my friends and being like, you don't even fucking get it. These dudes hate each other now. Like, this is a big deal. I can't believe this happened. You know? Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. Cause they hated each other before. Like that's what the songs are about. And then like they had that mm-hmm. little brief coming together. I also remember cause yeah, like that yeah. was when, uh, Oh, what's his name from team Max Sunday left the band. Uh, Oh, why am I blanking on his name? Uh, the guitar player. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In the backup with the blonde hair, the, st- the one that was in Straylight Light Run. Yeah, uh, I don't know what his name is either. Yeah, I'm I just seeing if that was. Yeah, I just so that information. Guy, I thought it might be helpful. So right before he left, they were working on new songs, and there's some of those songs on probably still on YouTube, but it was around the same time. Yeah. Uh, Adam had like a crutch. Uh, I think he had like heard his leg doing something, but there's some songs that like never came out, or like early versions of songs that made it onto their second album. Yeah, yeah. But uh yeah. I bet he could still whip that microphone though, even with <laughs> yeah, the, he's even do- with the yeah, he's still doing <laughs> that. Yeah, he can yeah. still get it. <laughs> <laughs> he whips it any faster, he's gonna take off in the yeah. air, bro. You know what I'm <laughs> he has a helicopter. <laughs> right brothers. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I really, I mean, like that that music was really formative because it was it was the thing that like bridged, um, because I, I mostly I was into hardcore when I was younger, so pretty like straightforward, you know like straight edge hardcore. Mm -hmm. And then that stuff got popular and it was like, that was my bridge from like hardcore to that, to like, you know, like indie rock music. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. I think that was a bridge to like a lot of things. Like even the merch they had was just like really fun stuff. And like tracking down some of the early merch was another way I got into like finding, finding like online buy, sell trade forums. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, were you uh were you part of any like message boards at the time? Yeah, so I was also this is like a weird thing, but like I had a PC that I had built myself and basically Sick. modded it 
like the interface to look like a Mac because I really wanted a Mac, but they're pretty expensive and my parents wouldn't buy me one. So sure, I found sure. these forums to like where like people were doing graphic design on like interface stuff that you could like mod the uh, Windows XP interface. And then yeah. some of those guys are also really into fashion, uh, oddly enough. Um, yeah. It's not that odd. Like it was still like, um, just talking about like visual arts in general on those forums. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, I got introduced to like Helmet Ling, Dior, uh, like the Dior denim was popular at the time. Eddie mm-hmm. Like undercover and stuff? This was, yeah. I mean, undercover came a little bit later for me. So like this forum, it was like very like European sort of like fashion. And then oh, okay. they put me on to super feature and that oh, there you really go, there you opened go. the floodgates for me of like all the Japanese fashion uh, undercover and number nine were super inspiring That's for me terrible, because, yeah. you know, it was connecting the dots between music, culture, fashion, a lot of like the angsty sort of feeling like no one understands you. Like I got really into Nirvana and Guns N' Roses and all that kind of stuff through these, mm-hmm. these brands basically putting me onto yeah. that stuff. Um, it was funny also, like I, I remember what was the video games you were into? Cause I remember being like, I, I undercover and number nine, the first time I'd heard about those was guys trying to dress like metal gear people. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I have friends who are still doing that, but yeah, metal gear solid. Uh, my introduction to that came at the same time of my introduction to anime. Actually, there was this guy, like my mom was working at a hospital or a hospital, like residency program. And one of the surgeons there uh, was moving to a different, hospital in a different city and so he had this huge collection of uh subtitled anime and uh he had a playstation with some video games and he just left it all with me when he moved and so this is all like you know stuff that like an adult man was into so a lot of it was like pg-13 maybe sure maybe beyond that but uh, yeah, you know, it was like Gundam <laughs> and stuff like that. But also, um, yeah. there was this one like Macross Plus where there is some like intense gore and uh, some sexual stuff. So it got, um, you yeah, know, that was eye opening in a lot of ways. And yeah, Metal Gear, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you learn one way or another. <laughs> yeah. Metal Gear was just like so cinematic. The, the sort of journey through that game, it feels like you're really like, you know, beyond like before that, I'd really just like played like Super Mario and stuff like that. So mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. was, um, I guess I, I had a Nintendo 64 as well. So I was like playing Goldeneye, I was playing uh, Zelda, Ocarina of Time was huge for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really just fell in love with like the so- storytelling aspect of those games and it made me want to live in those worlds. And so the, a way of bridging that gap was dressing like those characters for. Yeah, it definitely like that's the it's just the first place I remember on being online. I mean, definitely the music forums talked about clothes and I, I was really into collecting like concert tees and stuff too. So I, I followed those ones and then there was all the hardcore ones, but those guys didn't really talk about fashion necessarily. It was like it was the it was the guys in Japan talking about metal gear that were talking about clothes. And that was like the my first introduction to like capital F fashion. You know what I mean? Yeah, like and, yeah. and so that was that's where I and and you know I could see it online for the first time. You could see it here and there, but even some of those brands like weren't super online at the time either. So you could get pictures of stuff, but it was definitely like very eye opening for the first time of like beyond just like reading GQ or something like and being able to see what was out there that wasn't just what was easy to find. Uh-huh. Yeah, totally. And I I was um around that time I was um, heading over to college, uh, even further upstate in New York. So I felt even more disconnected from all this stuff. And really the only access I had to it was through these forums. I remember there were guys who were like, uh, scanning Japanese magazines and uploading them or, or like selling, selling the scans. And that was like really the only way you could learn more about these Japanese brands or like see what the full collections looked like was yeah, yeah, through yeah. the forums. Um, yeah, that was super exciting for me. And, and that just made me want to dive even deeper into this like online rabbit hole. And then a little bit later on in college was when Tumblr started. And that, 
I think I was like uniquely set up to like have all these cultural references to pull from that. I just started posting everything I could find that I was inspired by. And I had all those Japanese magazine scans. I knew that like, you know, undercover number nine, Bisbon. And I was also starting to get into tailoring at the time. And so I was like connecting the dots between all that stuff. And then like Jound had just started, um, I'm trying to think what else was around that time. Yeah. And then like the, just like, yeah, I, was just, I was just thinking like, like I remember the first Jown post. Like I remember like when that, when someone had put me on and there was only like 15 posts there or something. Yeah, totally. And I was like, I was like, this, I remember when he got a write up in the New York times and I was like, I don't like, I don't see what he's doing. That's like different from anyone else. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, just like, else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the taste level is maybe just like a little bit tighter, but yeah, that was, super inspiring to me to like see that there was some legitimacy to what we were doing and that you could parlay that into a career in the industry. And, uh, yeah, at the time I also, you know, I was, I befriended Lawrence Bossman and, uh, a bunch of those guys from like the first menswear movement. And of course he, uh, I think that, Summer was the um, capsule trade show. This is like 2009, I'm guessing, or 2010. Yeah. Uh, I was at that capsule. I remember it. Yeah. And so uh, he was there, the other guys from Out of the Mill, John Moy, Jeremy Kirkland, uh, Antonio from 18 East. Uh, yeah. I think he was maybe at Ralph Warren at the time. Um yeah, all we those just, guys. We just met him when we were on our New York trip, Antonio. We stopped in the 18 East. Oh, sick. Yeah, he's uh, the best. He's, shop and chopped it up. Yeah. yeah. He's super friendly, but also super opinionated. So <laughs> it's great to like pick his brain, but then I'll be like, oh, no, that's black. Like, he hates New Balance sneakers. <laughs> and uh, they're just like weird things where I'm like, all right, like, I get it that I don't agree. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like I know that's your opinion. Yeah. No, no, he was he was really cool. He uh, he validated me. I was like, ah, I want this hoodie, yo, but you only guys only have it in a two X, and I don't. Does this look too big on me? And he goes, You're asking me as if I don't wear two X too. <laughs> and so he, you know, I was like, All right, cool, we're kin, bro. So yeah, no, but that that's cool. Those early capsule shows and stuff. That was the like. I was trying to tell Chase because he he's done some of the buying stuff with us a little bit recently and getting into that world, but like that moment in time is just gone. You know what I mean? Like the, the that ever. I mean, really, I think it was already starting to die out a little bit. But like once COVID hit, it's like it's th- those 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 shows are never going to be what they used to. Like the vibe, people smoking outside, parties after. Like it's just it isn't what it used to be. It's not like a whole lifestyle. I don't think. Like it's just it's 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 niched off too much. And but like those those early shows and stuff like that that. Time I'm in New York and pity and all this. It was really like, it was really cool. Yeah, totally. Also like the pop-up flea, like, Oh yeah. I used to work the pop-up flea. It was fucking intense. (laughs) Yeah. But it was great. Just like having all those people in a room together. There is something where like, you know, I hope there'll be some opportunities like that in the future, but yeah, that was a great time. And that's, I actually, you know, met, all those guys and talked to Lawrence and he was uh, starting to work at BPMW who were in charge of the capsule trade show. Yeah. Uh, he was going to like represent Mark McNary and uh, they were working with like tree torn, which was like those like preppy sneakers and uh, oh, yeah. Stussy at the time, which wasn't what it is now, <laughs> but it was still pretty cool. Um, but he uh, basically helped me get an interview for an internship there and then uh, James Harris was actually like the head intern, basically. And so he became my boss. And so I, I've known those guys since then. Um, and then, you know, got to work with Lauren Sickrailed as well. But that was really like my first uh, invitation into the industry where I felt like, okay, like if these guys are doing it, I can do it too. And yeah, uh, yeah did that for several months and then worked. Uh, this small menswear brand, Abadi and Sons, they were popping off oh, at, yeah. at the time. And I was really inspired by like some of the tailoring they were doing. It was really, um, you know, I think helping again to bridge that gap between the sort of like stuffy old idea of tailoring and the newer sort of Neapolitan style 
and the stuff that everyone at Pity and um, even at the capsule sort of stuff was doing. So, um, yeah, they were like, I mean, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm remembering incorrectly, but they were like a little bit ahead of the time, like I, 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 for a moment, I don't know what the hell they're doing now, but right. maybe that's, that tells me everything, but it's like, I had a great suede jacket from there and you're right. It was like this, like not quite tailored, wasn't streetwear though. Like, I don't know where I would have put it outside of like, maybe like they're going to take this as good or bad, but almost like. Uh, elevated theory or something like it was really like it was it was really like pretty stuff that had like an opinion it was interesting stuff i forgot about that brand yeah it felt like an offshoot of ralph lauren for me like if double r and like purple label and like maybe i think rugby might have still been around at the time like if all of those had come together and uh had a love child it would have been similar but yeah, yeah so that was that was a dream come true honestly and then you know, you get into the industry and then you start to learn like, oh, like it's not all uh, just like wearing cool clothes. Like you, there's actually mm-hmm. a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes and to get to get like the results you want. There's a lot of hard work and a lot of like negotiating and a lot of like, uh, you know, the, there were sides of it that like, were not as pretty and not as like maybe ethical in my mind with oh, some yeah, of the, work, the business, the business stuff that they were doing. But, you know, they treated me like family. And so I believe that. And I believe that like, you know, they had my best interests at heart as well. Um, but yeah, I was there for five years and I saw a lot of people come and go like, you know, every three to six months, it was super high turnover. And yeah, I think probably around like year three or four, I was like putting the pieces together, but I still stuck around because I needed the job. Um, and uh, yeah, meanwhile, the receipts were accumulating. I was keeping in touch with all the ex coworkers who um, definitely resented how they were treated. And, uh, you know, there was like cameras monitoring employees in the office, making sure that you were actually working and you weren't taking too many bathroom breaks. And then, there was a lot of like, you know, I thought there was some drama that happened. I, I couldn't remember what it was. And I was like, I won't bring it up because I don't really remember. And I was like, nah, this is starting to come back to me a little bit that I feel like I, cause I sort of heard some of this. Yeah. There were also like a lot of personal boundaries that are crossed, which like working in the fashion industry, like there was a lot of like the doubles where the devil wears Prada kind of stuff where yeah, you do have to forfeit a lot of autonomy and like, a lot of your personal life where like, you know, you're working, you're, you're on call all the time basically. And you basically exist to like serve your employer. (laughs) If it was exactly how I, that that, that, my, my entire like, uh, career up until now, it was pretty much that. I mean, and, and, and look, I understand that sometimes when you go into small business and stuff, there is expectations that are just a little bit different, you know what I mean? Cause it's just sort of a different dynamic and you, and you can't really help it cause it's small, you know what I mean? And, and I get, and I get some of that, but like fashion really was for a long time. It, I feel like it was, it was one that did not keep up, you know what I mean? Like it, it like it really st- stuck in its ways, like, like, especially through like personal boundaries. And I think it just, people knew that. I mean, I don't know how you felt, but like I came from Indiana, moved to Chicago and I, and I kind of like threw a bunch of little like side hustles and shit kind of weaseled my way into the industry because I was just wanted in so badly. And I, and you know, I just felt like I, I was just, I just felt like I was at such a disadvantage coming from a place where I didn't have access to this stuff. I didn't have connections. I didn't have this. I didn't, I didn't go to some fancy school, you know, or anything like that. Like I just felt kind of hopeless. So I was like, I'll take whatever I can. I'm just going to grow. I'm just going to work way harder. Cause at least, at least that my mid my, my Midwest background will have trained me for that. Yeah. And and that's what it was, but I think that because of it too, because kids want it so bad, the ones that are there, it gets taken advantage of. I mean, it just it, it just does. And because I, I felt the same way of like, man, I I was never off. I never had days off. I don't remember ever having days off. Uh, there was constantly needs. It was it was tough. But I don't know. I mean, it's one of those things. I I, I compared a lot to the when you watch a Whiplash and you finish it, and you're like, I don't know if that guy's bad or not. Like he's bad, <laughs> but I also like. I got to where I needed to go. So I don't yeah. know. And it's like, it's so, it's so difficult to like, to, to, to look at it that way. Cause you're like, it's not the way it has to be. Yeah. Well, no, but it, yeah, yeah. It, there was a drive that came with it that I do think worked in my, you know, worked for me, but yeah. I don't know. Yeah, totally. It's dangerous it's too. Cause it's yeah. like, 
a slippery slope that that mindset then perpetuates that cycle. Uh, Mm -hmm. But I agree that like, I think there is value in, in working that hard. And ultimately I think it works best when you're working for yourself and you're able to have a, a say in, in where the boundaries are. Um, but yeah, I, I, I learned a lot from that and I'm very grateful for the experience. Uh, but yeah, there's definitely a big falling out and, you know, I wrote a a Glassdoor article and, uh, came together with some of my former coworkers to, to sort of, um, shed some light on, uh, a lot of the stuff that we thought, you know, no one else should have to go through. Um, well, that's like, I mean, that's, I mean, that's the way it's like, I think that when you're doing it, when, when you're, if you're like an employer and you're pushing hard, if you're creating passion, I think you're doing the right thing. If you're, if you're, if you're just killing people's passion, that's the yeah. wrong thing. N- nobody operates best yeah. under fear. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah like yeah. that's just, I, it's just not yeah. the case. Yeah. So that's good. Well, did you go from there straight to straight to grail or did you have stuff in between? Yeah. So I was, um, starting to like talk to some people. I was friends with, uh, this guy, sweet too, who, uh, runs CHCM shop. Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, I was like, dude, I'll work for you. And he's like, well, you probably don't actually want to do that. Like, it's just like part-time retail. <laughs> it would probably be yeah. like a step back in, in terms of your career for you. He's like, but I do have some friends who like are running this jewelry business. They're looking for an assistant. The, um, I, I was interviewing there and they ended up being similarly very controlling. I didn't, I didn't work for them, but in the interview process, they were like, yeah, we would need you to cut your hair and, you know, you need to know how to talk to these types of clients. Like they're super wealthy. It's like custom made jewelry. I don't want to like, I don't even think the brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. yeah, yeah. Uh, it was very like, uh, the kind of stuff that like you'll probably see on like Christie's or Sotheby's in like a couple oh, okay. decades. Oh, sure. Like very yeah. fancy stuff. Um, but yeah, I ultimately I was like, yeah, this is not the move, but I don't know what the move is. Like yeah. I don't want to aim too high or aim too low. And then, uh, an old friend, uh, this guy, Jake, uh, who his Tumblr used to be down East and out. Um, oh, yeah. he was working with Grailed and, he was like, Hey man, you want to grab coffee sometime? I want to talk to you about this company I'm working with. And so we grabbed coffee in Soho and he was telling me what they were looking for. And he was like, do you know anyone who would want to work with us? And I was like, dude, I'll do it. Like I'll quit my job today. I'm <laughs> yeah, so ready yeah, to yeah, get yeah, out yeah. of here. And so that's what I did. Yeah. And, uh, it was great. Honestly, like grilled was everything I could have hoped it could be. And I made a lot of lifelong friends from that. Um, I was there for almost seven years. Um, See, this is like a perfect example of like, if you're looking too hard, you're not going to find it type shit. You know what I mean? Like people have told me, told me this when they're looking for a job or, you know, people are getting into relationships and they're, I just want, I want to find that person. And then when they stop looking, they find them. But like when it, when it happens organically, it, that's definitely like the best case scenario. I think even here at canoe club, all of our employees have been just present, you know, yeah, at the right time and hanging out or like yeah. I, I painted the signage at the shop and Timothy was like, let's, uh, let's get you in here a couple of days a week. And I did, I think I worked part time for like two weeks and then switched over to full time and kind of, that's kind of the similar story for all of our employees and it's kind of cool, but yeah, it's fun to hear these stories about how it happens organically. Like you said, uh, your buddy didn't even really realize that you were kind of looking, but and then obviously it worked out and you, and you lasted in seven years. Yeah. And, uh, Lawrence was also there at the time. So he, uh, I don't know if you guys remember Carson street clothiers. Uh, oh, yeah. there was a party happening there. Like it was probably like right before they shut down, but, um, his wife was there and she was like, Nico, congratulations. I heard you got this job. And I was like, wait, what job? <laughs> and so that was how the news broke to me and i was just like you know the fact that she knew and she was so happy i was like this is a great sign that like yeah everyone is stoked to have me even their partners like it did feel like an actual family and it it wasn't like a implicit 
or it wasn't like an explicit thing. It was just sort of like how it was. Um, yeah, so that was great. I wore a bunch of hats there too, because that was just what I was used to doing. I, I you know, mm-hmm. I went to school for communications. I don't have a background in anything. I don't have any like technical expertise in terms of fashion or tech or even, you know, I guess communications does relate to like customer service, but I never had any actual like hands-on experience doing any of that stuff. So, um, yeah, I was really grateful for the opportunity and definitely, you know, when you are that grateful, you're willing to work 10 times as hard. And, um, I learned so much through just like challenging myself every day and like, being like, I don't know, like, you know, I don't know how to do this, but I'll figure it out. Um, and I think pulling resources as well, like that was really where community came in for me, like came into play because that was my job title. And so it was just like front of mind for me all the time. And I realized that like community is what got me there in the first place. Like the online community is working or like not even working, but just like hanging out with friends in Soho, in New York, uh, hanging out at the shops I was into, um, yeah. just chatting about our favorite brands or things we were into. I learned so much through those connections that like really helped me become who I am today and helped me, you know, continue to spread that knowledge and spread that enthusiasm and that passion, uh, you know, to people I don't even know, like, I don't even, I, I'm writing stuff for my job now. I don't know who actually reads it, but I'm sure there are people who it's going to resonate with. And that for me is ultimately what makes this fulfilling. Um, yeah. So, you know, I guess also while I was at Grailed, uh, during the pandemic, I moved out to LA. Um, yeah, yeah. I went, I went through a breakup at the time and we were living together. And so I moved in with my parents temporarily and I was like, man, I really don't want to be, uh, doing this for the, the whole pandemic. Uh-huh. I was like, mm-hmm. let me just take a mini vacation. This was like summer 2020. And I was like, I'll just get an Airbnb in LA and rent a car and see what life could be like out here. And uh, I fell completely in love and uh, yeah, yeah. sort of asked forgiveness instead of permission with Grail. I was like, Hey, like I'm already in LA. Is it cool if I just stay here? And they're, yeah, they're yeah. totally on board and, um, that was also like a learning experience, you know, for me, that was a period of intense growth in terms of like finding myself and finding a community all over again with just what I knew about myself. Um, I had maybe one or two friends that I knew out here and, uh, I have some family out here cause my mom's from the San Fernando Valley originally, which is oh cool, about cool. like half an hour away. Um, so I've, some relatives here, but yeah, I just like decided to like follow my gut, like my follow my heart basically and like do what I wanted to do. And like, you know, things will figure like things will fall into place. Eventually I just have to like trust the process and um, yeah, I'm in so much of a better like mental state, like my lifestyle everything has kind of like come together through me just like trusting in myself and trusting in the good of like the community and the people that I've brought into my life or that have just come into my life naturally. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, as great as Grailed was, there was definitely, um, a lot of vices that we indulged in. Um, oh, sure, and sure. you know, New York, the, the lifestyle in New York is very fast and loose and, um, yeah, ultimately it led to a lot of unhealthy habits, but I, I learned to sort of, yeah. Think. Well, it sounds like you've landed very nicely in LA. Do you see yourself there for the foreseeable future? Yeah, totally. I mean, this is probably, you know, if I, if I came out to where you guys are, um, I'd probably feel similarly, but like New York, is just so densely packed and everything's so expensive. Like the quality of life. Oh yeah. Is, yeah it's very hard to like have the lifestyle you want or it just gets very expensive. And yeah, dude. Yeah. Thinking about raising a family as well. 
Oh, I couldn't even imagine that. I couldn't even, I, I honestly couldn't even imagine. We went on the buying trip and like Timothy said, he, I've been helping out with the buys and stuff lately and going to New York for the buying trip. I had went to New York. Actually, I went to New York for six hours when I was a senior in high school to watch this band Ladderman play like their last show in Brooklyn. And then, so we woke up early in the morning, left Ashtabula, drove to New York, parked, took a train to Manhattan, came back, watched the show and drove back to Ohio. Like that was all that I experienced in New York. But when we went there, I was like, yeah, it's cool. I get it. You know what I mean? I, I, I get that it, the city never sleeps. There's people everywhere. There's food, but like, it's, it's not like logistically realistic, like uh, which, which it sounds the opposite of LA where it feels a little more, obviously there's traffic and shit, but a little more slow paced. People are more interested in like maybe not the aspect of partying and drinking and being out every night and hyper, hyper social type shit. It feels a little more slower paced, but yeah, totally. yeah, New York just seems crazy. It doesn't seem attainable to like live there and live the life you want. I feel like no matter what you're making concessions and I feel like LA offers you the opposite of that. You can, I'm sure it's expensive Probably to buy best a home. Of both ship, worlds, really. Yeah. If, yeah. If, if you, if you like those two things. Yeah. Cause yeah. I moved here from Chicago and it was really tough leaving because, you know, I went from, you know, rural Indiana to Chicago. I really wanted to be in a city. I applied for a bunch of jobs in New York and Chicago directly at uh, college took the first thing that was offered to me basically. And then that evolved into a bunch of other stuff. And I loved being in the city and then I miss it a ton. And it was really hard to make the decision to come here just cause it's so different. And then you get out here and there's like whatever we have, 300 million days of sun or whatever, and the weather is much more moderate. Like, you know, it's chill and it's like quieter and you're close to the outdoors. And I've never been, I mean, there was the outdoors, but it's just like cornfields. There's not even sidewalks where I'm from. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's just like, a, it's like, it was a whole different thing to come out here and it being that close to like, I can take, I can take a 10 minute walk and do a whole hike and you know, it's beautiful and it's yeah. in here by the mountains and it's just, it's just a different vibe. And like, it took a minute to settle into, but once I, once you do, you know, and you know, you're not drinking as much, you're not going out as much, you're not, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's different and it's just, it, it is, it is nice. It's a, di- it's a different, it's a breath of fresh air once you get used to it, but it, it took a little acclimating for me personally. Yeah, definitely. I think New York, like the highs are definitely so much I want to say much higher, but like consistently you're able to find more stuff that you seek out, like whatever you're seeking, you can find it there. But Uh in between all that, the lows are just the lowest. Like just thinking about like even commuting in New York, like you don't need a car, which is great. But then commuting on the subway, there's a lot of challenges that come with that. There's a lot (laughs) of wears on you weird smells and yeah, the fluorescent lighting and, uh, yeah. I mean, like I try to imagine like the, like my lowest day. And then like, if I were to live in New York and like, imagine you're having a rough day and then you realize you got to go back to like your dorm room apartment where there's people every direction above you to the left, right underneath you. And it's just like no privacy, no real like reprieve. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, you don't really realize it until you're in a space like that, like how much your space affects your mood and like, just like general yeah, well-being. Yeah. Um, yeah. So coming out to LA is similar, like, you know, just like eternal sunshine. Uh, it was like night and day. And there's mm-hmm, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, LA is not perfect. Like there's a lot of challenges. It's, it can be equally as expensive. Um, mm-hmm. I've gotten really lucky in terms of like finding an affordable place to live right now. And I have a big garden in my backyard that I, you know, I actually just came out of before this call. Uh, Oh, can, can we touch on that please? Would you, can you want to let's, let's share Like, tell me what you're growing, bro. So I'm actually, it was all weeds when we moved here, uh, like a year and a half Uh ago. And so my first step was just weeding and bring, bring things back to life. There's a calamansi tree, which is Filipino lime. Um, we course. have guava, persimmon. Oh, shit. It's sort of like sour mango, so it's not really edible, but apparently you can like pickle it or. Are they like smaller? Um, not necessarily. They're like greener. Um, Interesting. Yeah, we have avocado. There's some papaya trees that they've actually, I think, 
died. I think there's one small one that's still alive, but I think the mm-hmm. rain just mm-hmm. decimated some stuff. The rain also, it's been raining in LA for like months, basically. Yeah, I heard it's been pretty rough. Yeah, but it, it also like brought a lot of stuff back to life. So I've got, you know, the standard like herbs and like, of course, uh, of course. I have kale mustard greens i want to get some like lettuce or some other like practical green stuff yeah. uh tomatoes do really well out here um yeah you, you got any peppers growing i did and i think maybe it's just the spot i planted them was like a little too shady so i have some that i i, oh, okay. I grew and i dried some jalapenos but um dope, yeah right dope. now nothing else really Nice, dude. Cool to cool to hear you have all the fruit trees. You're living my dream. I tell my girlfriend all the time, like, you know, can you clubs here in Boulder and this is where we're going to be. But really, Southern California is the that's the way to go because we both want to grow like fruit trees in particular, um, kind of like as like not a retirement project, but as we mature in our He's lifetime, 30. <laughs> 30, so <laughs> just prepping that retirement project. <laughs> but, but yeah, that's sick, dude. I have a, I have a bag of cherimoya seeds that I saved that are germinating oh, wow. right now that I'm hoping I'm able to like, I'm trying to buy a greenhouse this summer. So I'm hoping I'm able to keep those puppies cooking, you know? Yeah. Actually, when I first moved to LA, I never had cherimoya. I, I never had like, even, yeah. uh, uh, dragon fruit, um, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. things like I, you, you definitely could find it in new york it's just like few and far between and like you gotta seek it produce out produce in new york in general is not the freshest so <laughs> yeah yeah uh yeah coming to la my favorite thing to do is just like go to the grocery store and just like grab a fruit that i've never seen before and dude same give it a try same yeah have you ever had mangosteen i think i've had an ice cream maybe that's based on it but no I, i've never had it if you if you can find one of those, that's definitely like the when I when I tasted it for the first time, it, it blew my mind. It's like a taste you've never experienced, and it's ultra freaky and like super hard to find. But if you can come up on one of those, bro, that that would be. Uh, you should definitely try one. Okay, sweet. There's an H Mart near me. That's my favorite place to oh, go. Yeah, like, yeah, really interesting. I mean, the stuff. one the one out here had a couple of them. Now they're like fifteen bucks a pound, so be ready to guap out. But, <laughs> but yeah, it's worth it to yeah. do it once. You got you got to try everything yeah. once. No, of course, of course. I think I think it's fun. But all right, Nico. So we are uh, we're getting we're getting towards the end of the end of the hour here. It, it kind of actually flew by. Timbo just told me we're at like fifty minutes, which is crazy. But. Uh, yeah, dude, it's been a pleasure. Um, so, you know, we, you listen to the, the Clayton episode. So we'd like to wrap up our, uh, the pod with kind of like, you know, a question or two of hot takes where we just let you air it out. It may or may not be a controversial opinion, but just to give people kind of a taste of what you're into and how freaky you are. You know what I mean? Cool. Yeah. Here's a question. You've lived in New York. You're living in California. You've probably experienced it all across the board. Let, let's say, what's your favorite type of pizza? And I don't mean like pepperoni or sausage. I'm, I'm saying like Sicilian style, thin New York crust, Chicago. Yeah. What are we thinking? I've loved pizza growing up. That's always been my like staple food. Like I have it like at least once a week. I think my favorite is uh, Chicago, like tavern style. I don't know if you've heard of that. Yeah, hell yeah, bro. Is that is that when it it's it's like cooked in a bowl upside down? No, it's like I, or it's like no. a cracker almost. It's like just really thin, yeah. square. Oh. Usually, sometimes Small. they cook it in like a pie tin in Chicago, so you literally get the ridges on the end. But it's oh. like it's fucking thin. It's yeah. like really, and it's yeah. like oh yeah, you're right. Usually, like the another thing that they do is it'll often have like the cheese will be like it'll be like mozzarella and sometimes a little bit of like cheddar or something mm. like it's definitely like a little it's a little it's a little freakier it and it weirdly has i've noticed like uh uh, what's that dude? Kenji Lopez or he's been like, he's been doing a bunch of different kinds. Like he did some little tour to like, kind of like research mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. recently. Cause I think it's, I think it's going to be the next one that everyone really talks about. But like that was that, that's like when, pe- when people say like, Oh, New York show, I think they're always talking about deep dish, the bar pizza. And there's a lot of good bar pizza in like a, like a Wisconsin, like Milwaukee and stuff too. Um, but it's like, it's legit. It's very, it's very good. It's like, it's the perfect like cross section of like, 
New York style and like you know it's like uh-huh. it's like a little like bit an of, album of all of it. Yeah, it's really good. That's that's the right answer, I think. <laughs> yeah. If if there was a right answer, that's it. See, I've never I don't think I've ever had that. When I was in Chicago, I had some place that was a house. It felt like a house converted into like an Italian pasta pizza spot maybe. Was it like a deep dish place? It wasn't deep dish. I had oh. I had the OG Giordano's over by Rush, but this really one came that? to me I think it was it was like imagine if you took a slice of pizza but like you assembled it backwards in a bowl. So like and then it was like cooked in the bowl. Oh, Do you and know what I'm flip saying? Flip it over. I know yeah, what you're talking yeah, about. And then it's yeah. more, it's almost like it's like bolognese. It's like a yeah. It was, I know exactly it, you you what didn't you're eat about. with your hands. There yeah, was no yeah, picking it up. Yeah. But it was gas. That yeah. was good. I don't even know what that's yeah. called. I know what you're talking about. That's almost like a it's like a fucking pot pie. It, that's yeah. it. Yeah. It was literally <laughs> yeah, pizza yeah. pot pie. Yeah. Golly, yeah, it's nuts. Yeah, I would love some of that. And you think you so so you're you're are you an LA guy now? You like you like LA over New York? Yeah, definitely. I think for where I'm at, I'm like. I love New York. Yeah, I get that, but I I, w- I probably wouldn't live there again. Um, yeah, yeah. It's just depending on where you are in life and, and what your priorities are right now. Yeah, yeah. I just want good weather and space and outdoors, and it's just really, really yeah, no, easier I feel to have you. all that here. Question: Geographically, you mentioned upstate New York a couple of times, and I guess I've gone my whole life without really understanding what upstate New York really means. But I'm from like Northeast Ohio, and I had some buddies whose family had a house like in the Finger Lakes. Is Finger Lakes upstate New York, or is that not at all? Yeah, that's upstate. That's almost like Western. I don't know. I'm not like really like a true New Yorker. I would say because I grew up yeah, in like yeah. a weird <laughs> suburb. But uh, yeah, that's like very far west from me um i'd say that's upstate pretty much anything north of ooh, i'm gonna get City. some some uh yeah backlash for this but i, I want to say like north of albany even yeah okay. it's it's very i don't get, know that that's right either yeah. that's how i think of it too i just think <laughs> of it, if it's above albany it's in upstate new york yeah because because when you know on the subject of new york or la in, is there anything deep down that like you find romantic about the up, upstate new york because i i don't want to do the winter i don't want to do the winter dude it's miserable it's it kind of sucks here to do the winter too but there's something about like upstate new york still being like small ski towns and like cabins in the woods and small communities built around little lakes. And then there might not be shit for another 30 minutes. And there's something really romantic about it. And if I could just nix the winter from the whole situation, I would, I would move up there in a heartbeat. Yeah, totally. There's this thing uh, that my girlfriend's family does called, I think, Sinterklaas in Rhinebeck, Hmm. New York. And Hmm. Oh, I've been to Rhinebeck. That's that's a cool area. Yeah, I don't know if it's Rhinebeck. Actually, I might I might be getting that wrong. But uh, yeah, we do that in the winter, and it sort of brought me back around to being like, you know what? There's something very, uh, I guess, nostalgic for me, and also like a little bit romantic about yeah winter in rural New York, where like it is just very quaint, small town, and like if you're set up with like a nice fireplace and someone to plow the driveway it's not that bad (laughs) it's actually kind of nice to to have that quiet and solitude for a little part of the year and it's like and it's like it's it's the true like foot and a half of snow for six months like straight up it comes down it never and it never leaves and then april may comes in and it melts down but I don't know. There's something cool about that. And I definitely kind of miss that here as much as I was just complaining about winter. I can also get down with some of the aspects of it, but yeah, not when you're in the middle of it, not <laughs> when you're in the middle of it, bro. We're, we're coming out of it. It's like, it was like 70 degrees today. I got another hot take for you. Cause you listed off a gang of them. What do you think the best video game of all time is? Oh yeah. Oh man. Oh, I did not come prepared for this because I feel like there's an answer. Oh, you can take some time, bro. Take some time. I was going to say, I'm not sure I know off the... Like, I guess I, I, I guess maybe I do. I think that Unreal Tournament is my favorite game of all time. Well, damn, okay. I really loved it when I was a kid. Well, or or Counter-Strike. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Counter-Strike, dude, the first couple of years of Grail, we played Counter-Strike almost every night. Um, oh, no which kidding. One, which version? CSGO. Uh, yeah. I played with uh, Playboy Cardi. Uh, I got a headshot in. <laughs> Wait, no <laughs> fucking way. No, he's. I mean, he wasn't terrible, but 
uh, he did not like, know yeah. he was in. Beat, beat. <laughs> um, dude, did you see the release in CS2 this summer? Oh, I did not. That's dangerous. I can't get back into that stuff. Like, I'm, uh, I was I'm, that's say, what I always tell the guys. They keep trying to get me in. And I'm like, <laughs> I can't go down this. Road. I have a kid now, bro. And I'm like trying to like go to the yep, gym. I can't yep. do. This is too many hobbies to have. Oh, I'm 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 going I'm going fucking head first into it. Me me and my coworker here. I was gonna say, Nico, I'll bang your line, bro. <laughs> we can, we can we can climb some ranks. <laughs> yeah, I wish. No, I can't get. I can't do that. <laughs> I did get, get sucked it, back in. I, I do have a, a, a take for, for best video yes, game yes. Okay, here we go. Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. Because Yeah, that's a that's dope. a great answer. It's brought it brought together so many different elements. Like, you know, just even just whatever you want to do in the game, like just cruising or causing some mayhem. Or if you actually want to do missions, like the missions themselves are also actually like pretty good, like what was I, the one I replayed before? it. I probably replayed it. I've replayed most of them, but I like I, that's the one I've replayed the most because it's like it's it's nice to play through it. It's just a nice it, it, like it doesn't take up. You know what it is? It's not too difficult either. That's an important aspect of it because sometimes yeah. when you get into games, it's not a grind. It doesn't feel like it. I, I feel like I can still zone out and play it, but it's yeah. different every single time. Like it, it's worth it's worth noting the how replayable it is because there's yeah. a lot. Like I didn't like replay that many Metal Gears because it was just like it was such a fucking grind to get oh, through in long, the first place. A long haul. That, like yeah. it, to go back is like I can't go back. I'm I'm gonna throw out something that I hope I hope our listeners will resonate with. I'm going to say Halo 2. I'm going to say specifically on Xbox Live before Xbox 360 came out. And this is deep cut. But for anyone out there that remembers this, I was in the biggest Super Bounce clan in the world at the time. And that might not mean anything, but it's fucking tight looking back. So Halo 2. Yeah, I didn't have that, but I remember playing it at a friend's house. And that, yeah, it's just so fun. Like Halo, the Halo series there's something about it that it's like very unserious. Like there's the, mm-hmm. the gravity factor and like all the different weapons. Like there's so much creativity there. That it's, it's fun. That's, that's also what I loved about like the Zelda series as well. It was just like, it takes mm-hmm. you, there's something familiar about it and there's something approachable, but it's also very like otherworldly. Yeah. My college roommate would speed run the Zeldas. He'd be like, I figured out this new shit, dude. Come check it out. <laughs> and he was really into like speed running and he, he found like glitches in Skyrim to give you like, I don't know. I never played it, but basically just you could mine money and then the game was done. Like you could just skip ahead tens of hours, but yeah, that's sick. I never got into Zelda though. I never had an N64. When you said that, I was like, "Oh man, he was one of the lucky ones." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We, I, I didn't have that either. So I didn't grow up with like any Nintendo games. I didn't have uh, Super Nintendo. I didn't have N64. I always had just the first thing I ever had was PlayStation. Yeah, and then a computer. Oh man, oh, I didn't sorry. even. I'm trying to run Counter Strike on that <laughs> yeah. bitch. Just, it's, you can hear it from like the three <laughs> rooms over. That fan running. <laughs> oh yeah, about to take off. Yeah. We used to have to land it. We'd have to go to a putt-putt golf course, and then they'd have one room with red lights, and then just a bunch of dudes in, like, Nine Inch Nails shirts in there. Wait, you're saying the putt-putt course specifically had a land room? They had a room that was just, you could bring, it was just a bunch of sweaty dudes bringing in computers. Oh, my God. Yep. How fun. Yeah, it was fun. (laughs) It really made it an an event. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, Nico. I really appreciate you doing this, man. It was really fun talking to yeah, you. Yeah, what a pleasure, I, man. Yeah, yeah. Really, it, it worked out well. I've, I, you know, I followed the the. I followed your Tumblr forever ago. I followed I've, I followed the Bengal Stripe stuff. Like, I just think you've got really great personal taste, man. So it was really fun to have you on and learn more about you. And yeah, thanks so much. And I'm also like, dude, I've been a huge fan since early days of Grail. I guess that that was like probably when you guys started, like around six years ago oh, good shit yeah six years ago yeah, yeah 2017 exactly. yeah. Yeah. damn that's awesome man yeah. well, thank cool. you dude that worked out nicely then <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right bro we'll be in touch if you ever need anything you hit you hit either of us up yeah awesome. we got you appreciate it thanks so right, much bro. guys thank you man yeah you have a good weekend you too okay, take care. Peace. Peace.